church? Hell no. Are you no longer feeling comfortable in church? This podcast is for individuals who are desperately missing God, but don't know how to find Him. Substance abuse, domestic violence, sex offenses, acrimonious divorce can contribute to discomfort in the church. For these individuals, church is just not an option anymore. Ordained minister Dennis Hall and his guests invite you to listen to this podcast for topics that are inspiring, uplifting, and will bring hope to those who just feel church is not relevant in their lives today. I'm Dennis Hall, and we're delighted to have you listening to this podcast today. My guest today is Justin Bonner. He's the assistant pastor at the First Baptist Church in Highlands, North Carolina. Delighted to have you back again, Justin. Glad to be here, Dennis. Okay. You know, uh, I got something I want to talk about today with you, and I've already given you a little heads up about it, but I stopped by one of the local cafes a few days ago to have lunch, and uh, I was seated at the lunch bar. And uh, about one seat away from me was this young professional woman who was also having lunch. And we were close enough that we struck up a conversation. And we began to talk about things going on in our country. And that took us to the school shootings and the workplace shootings and the violence in the streets and, and all the things that we see going on all around us in the country that seems to have almost everyone in the country pretty upset about the the situation. And she said something very interesting to me. She said, you know, some people are just born evil. Just born evil. And, of course, uh, I didn't have time in the cafe there to really get into that with her, but I did respond and say, you know, I really don't think that's the case. Uh, But... uh, uh, we really do have a problem, but it raises this question, what does someone mean when they say someone or something is evil? What are they really saying? What do you think they're saying, Justin? Well, I think first to even call something evil, you have to have a moral standard I applied. That's right. And. It is funny to me how people can call something evil, but also say there is no God. Because then how do you know something is evil? Then you could say evil is in the eye of the beholder. So what I as a Christian man would would say is that evil is something that is against God. Right. It's something that is ungodly. Yeah. And, and I, I, I agree with you. I think when somebody says something is evil... They're almost acknowledging that God must exist. Otherwise, Something. how could we make that judgment? I mean, uh, how how yeah. do we come up it with it? Be evil to you or to me? Yeah, yeah, but not to them. They may yeah. they may think this is quite all right. Exactly. You know that uh, that it's uh, uh, you know nothing uh, uh, nothing unusual about what's and and not only that who's who's to determine what's right or wrong or what's evil or not evil, or what's sin or not sin, et cetera, et cetera. So it's almost, you know, when somebody, and and interestingly, you know, now on the news, uh, when people and newscasters and others are talking about things going on in in our society, you hear this word crop into the conversation. Uh, This is an evil thing, or 
this is so evil. Uh, and, and what they're saying is, what they're really saying, in spite of all the polls that we read where some say nearly 40% of the country is either agnostic or atheist, we have so many people uh, assigning this, this adjective evil to certain persons and to certain events. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, it sort of gets us to the question is, if we acknowledge, yes, there, there's evil, and and then we say, well, where does that come from? Where does uh, that come? You know, over in uh, uh, Romans five eighteen, uh, the apostle Paul wrote that uh, the disobedience of one man. He was talking about Adam. The disobedience of one man uh, uh, made many sinners. Yeah, he's talking about what some refer to as the original sin in the garden. Christianity, we call it the fall, the fall. Mm -hmm. And so some say that somehow evil emanated from what happened in the Garden of Eden in the very beginning. Yeah. So what's your reaction to that? (laughs) <laughs> well, this is um, in one of my Bibles that I have here. It has a really good little section on it's titled human responsibility, but I think it really helps us to grasp what exactly happened. It says that um, as a creature made in God's image, Adam knew and loved God and had the power, will and freedom to do God's will. Adam threw away these gifts when he yielded to lies and fell into sin. His knowledge of the truth was suppressed in unrighteousness. His fallen heart was turned away from God. The purposes and desires of his heart became only evil continually, and his will was enslaved to sin. Adam inflicted these terrible losses on himself and his offspring. However, such losses could not free him from the terms of the covenant of works by which he was bound to obey the law of God written on his heart. So that, I think, really helps us to encompass why, yes, Adam had the freedom to choose whether to obey or to disobey. And he chose to disobey, which caused everyone that came from him, which is, if you're a Christian, then you believe that the entire population of the world is a sin nature would have come from that sure we're born inherently with a sin nature psalm 51 5 says behold i was brought forth in iniquity and in my sin my mother conceived me yeah and and over also in psalms uh you know we read this uh uh you have made them a little lower than the angels and crown them with glory and honor. So really, uh, the commentary that you read really is really establishing that humans are not just fundamentally evil, uh, but there's a corruption of what was essentially good. You know, God did not create evil. He created something good, and so this corruption occurred you know sin is just uh, you know it, it's it's not what defines us as humans it's not the definition of being a human that uh, uh, because we were made in God's image as as uh, 
as we learn in Genesis, and we learn that he knew, knows us even before we're in the womb. Uh, he knows every hair on our head, and, 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 mm-hmm. and we've been created by God. And so, uh, but what you're suggesting, you see, uh, and what that commentary you read suggests is this, uh, that we're not divided into two camps, evil people and righteous people, that, uh, uh, that there's good on one side and evil on the other somehow, that, uh, you know, as Romans 3, I think, 3 says, uh, um, well, actually, I wanted to quote to Jeremiah 17.9, where it says, the, the heart is deceitful and desperately mm-hmm. wicked. Mm-hmm. See, it's right here is it's, it's Romans 3. It says, uh, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Yeah, and that's the scripture you see teaching us that in each of us, as you have already alluded to, there is this uh, capacity this capacity for evil. And, you know, the great uh, writer and the Soviet dissident and philosopher Solonichin, he, he said it this way. He said, uh, he said that uh, even within hearts overwhelmed by evil, even in hearts that are overwhelmed by evil, there's one small bridgehead of good that is retained. And then he went on to say, and even in the best of all hearts, there remains an unrooted small corner of evil. Now that's, you know, for those of us, you know, who've had a spiritual experience and are striving to be righteous to admit that within each of us, there is this one small corner of evil that can be tapped uh, under the right circumstances is scary. Scary. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think one thing my father-in-law and mother-in-law always said was anybody at any time can commit any sin. You know, we, we don't want to start lumping in the, um, the blaspheming the Holy Spirit, that one gets up for debate. But I'm talking about any other sin. Um, anybody can commit any of those sins at any time, but by the grace of God. I know. You know, and, and we're, in a, we're in a society today that I think uh, really dismisses evil and sin in a way that's not really helpful. I think of all of the categories of addiction from alcohol and drugs and pornography and sex and gambling and uh, on and on. Uh, And so often we hear these things referred to as diseases. That you have a disease of this addiction without recognizing that none of that starts. None of that starts without entering in to some evil or sinful action. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a disease they would a disease is 
treatable through worldly means. If you see a, an apple has a worm in it, then you spray the apples with some sort of chemical and try to get them better. But what most people don't understand is that they didn't dig into the ground and see that the roots were rotten and that the roots were corrupt. And that is the essence of what we're talking about here is that if we're if we all contain a certain capacity for evil and for sinful behavior, then that's just addressing fruit issue, not root issue. Yeah. And the root is our sinful human fallen nature, which doesn't like you were talking about earlier. When we're born again, that doesn't leave. We're still in this body. We're right. still in this, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is remains. The yeah. flesh is wicked. That's right. You know, uh, the uh, a lot, almost all of these rehab programs for all the different kinds of addictions in our society, which is a broad spectrum of things, uh, almost all of them have a place in their program where they teach the participants that they've got to rely on a higher being. Now, I realize some of them don't want to use the name Jesus Christ, uh, uh, but it's it's interesting to me that they at least recognize that there's got to be a supernatural intervention to deal with those kinds of evils and sins, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're not, we don't, as we've already alluded to, we don't really become, you know, guilty of evil and sin uh, just because we were born into Adam's fallen race. Um, you know, our guilt, our personal guilt occurs when we intentionally, as an individual, you know, either through thoughts or words or actions, do something uh, or allow something to go on that's evil and wrong. And we've made sure it's exactly what Adam did in the in the garden. But but today it's, it remains the same. We become guilty when we intentionally, intentionally choose sin or evil. Yeah, my only slight um, caveat to that is one: I believe I believe that you can say you're not born completely guilty but if you take a child and you allow them to do what they want are they going to do the right thing or the wrong thing un, un, uninterrupted by an adult are they going to do the right thing or the wrong thing you don't have to teach a kid to do the wrong thing Right. You have to teach them to do the right thing. Yeah, it's so I think that I think that the human heart, although yeah, we could go back and forth about whether you're born guilty, corrupt, all of that. I think that the natural progression of the human heart through our sin nature leads to sin if we are not saved by grace. Well, I, I think you're right. It's sort of you know like what the writer Solonichian was saying. He says, you know, within each of us. In the deep mm -hmm. recesses of our being, there is that yeah. place of evil. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, I don't believe anybody's going to suffer eternally just because they were born into Adam's fallen race. 
they're going to suffer eternally yeah, because does, they've yeah. turned their back on God and they have yeah. intentionally chosen to stay yeah. in sin and evil. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely gray areas for, you know, it's stuff, unanswered questions like, um, you know, children. Children that have sinned but haven't been able to right. make mental, true heart change. What You know, I don't... I don't have an answer for that, but I do know, yes, that that we will be held accountable for our actions right. and for our You know, we talk a lot desires. in Christian circles about spiritual warfare. You hear this bandied around a lot, you know, uh, that uh, there's this spirit that we're all caught up in this battle uh, between uh, demonic forces and... and uh, and God and Jesus and good and righteousness, and that there's literally a spiritual uh, battle that's going on. I was uh, struck by uh, some writings recently that I read by Dr. Richard Gallagher, who's a, a, a renowned psychiatrist at Yale. And uh, he has evaluated hundreds of cases of possible demonic possession. And he he's, he concludes as a as a medical scientist, although this whole idea is not really well received in medical circles. He 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 just says that uh, he says people shouldn't assume that the devil is just some myth, some representation or symbol or figure of speech or some idea. He he basically says this is real, and people are being impacted. By demonic forces. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, and uh, I agree. I agree completely that the evil is at work, and I mean that. I'm assuming that that guy is a secular psychologist. Well, he's he's obviously a Christian, and he's very connected with the Cap, uh, Catholic Church. In fact. Uh, in that same article, he pointed out what the Catholic Church does about this, and that they they have a program where they train priests in exorcism. And uh, actually, this year, for the first time, the Vatican has allowed Protestant ministers to participate. And yeah. First time in their history they've ever done that. Uh, but yeah. there seems to be an increase, and and. When you read about these things, it's pretty fascinating because they don't take this lightly. I mean, it involve they would never get involved uh, in anything. When I say they, the Catholic Church or anybody else involved in trying to identify that somebody's demonically possessed. And, you know, throughout the Scripture, we see all kinds of examples throughout the New Testament where Jesus is dealing with people who are demonically possessed and uh but i mean they're they're pretty sophisticated in that they'll have a team of people five six people uh dealing with this person including a medical uh professional and um you know they don't do anything except following their church guidelines and and uh and also uh, uh videotaping everything that happens so it's all uh documented it's pretty sophisticated. you know there's another um uh, famous psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Uh, um, M. Peck Scott, who wrote a couple of books, and he agrees with Dr. Gallagher. 
he's written a couple of books on this, and he's also a renowned, uh, uh, highly respected, uh, where he agrees with Dr. Uh, Gallagher that uh, the demonic world exists and possession does happen. I mean, he's written that. Well, it's, I mean, it's that rationalism that with, with so much, like we talked about in the, um, in the episode on the armor of God, yeah. that we, we've, we've explored space and we found all these seven million types of fish that we go, well, I guess God's not real, you know, yeah. but if we're, if we're going to say that God is real, then we can't, you know, rationalize out the fact that demonic forces are real yeah. and that evil is contributed not only to from, from within us, that we have the capacity to sin and to go against God and that we have a sin nature, but that there is evil outside of us that is at work. You know, uh, uh, I read Dr. Scott's book, and in his book, uh, you know, he points out and, and agrees with some of the things that you and I have just talked about. He says demonic possession is not an accident. He says the victim has to sell out and cooperate with Satan. And uh, There's an opening. Yeah, huh? and, and he goes on and points out some things that said you may not think about it, but it could be as simple as a 12-year-old incest victim choosing to believe her stepfather's lies in preference to facing the reality that's just too painful and gradually turns her life over to demonic uh, possession, yeah. and he 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 notes that frequently that kind of uh, thing happens under duress, where somebody is is under some kind of duress, and and he he says, you know, yes, the victim can choose to renege on the sort of pack or agreement they've made with Satan uh, at any time, but he but he says the longer it goes on, the longer it goes on, the more difficult it is. To correct and and then yeah, just reassurance for people listening that are maybe are a Christian or not a Christian um, that are af- that are afraid of things like this. There is a certain level of 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 I wouldn't say fear, but of respect that you should have for the fact that this stuff is real and this stuff That's does right. happen. That's right. But rest assured that as a believer, you cannot be possessed by a demon because you already have the Holy Spirit. That's right. If that were the case, then we would say Jesus could be possessed by a demon, and I would never say that. <laughs> That's so. right. Yeah, well, I mean, he, so, yeah. he pointed out in his book, he said possession is the most severe uh, uh, demonic thing, but it's not the only kind of affliction. Yeah. It's not the only kind Absolutely. of affliction. So, you know, it's, uh, and, and then when we sort of step back and, and think about all this uh, sin and evil, uh, and you ask the question: uh, Is is sin and evil really necessary for our Christian faith? What do you think? <laughs> well, I think necessary for necessary for it to exist, or necessary in our lives, in our Christian walk? Well, I think even necessary for it to exist. I mean, if you think about, if we had a world with no sin and evil in it, would there have been any need for God, the incarnate, to come? Well, yeah, that's exactly, um, that's why, you know, like someone like Ray Comfort, who I'm sure you're familiar with, with your evangelism work, 
that was really, he kind of revolutionized the evangelism whenever he went back to the scriptures and looked at the way Jesus witnessed and how he brought the law first as the schoolmaster that drove them to grace. And in that same way, we have to see that without our sin and without our separation from God, there is no need for a Savior. There is no need right. for grace. That's right. See, so, so really, uh, as much as we wring our hands over the evil in the world and, and uh, what's going on around us and, and even recognize that God and Jesus have called his followers uh, to not only follow him, to, but to be about the business of overcoming evil, that without evil, I mean, God went to great lengths when he sent his son to die on the cross to get at the root cause of evil. Yeah. So, so, I agree completely. Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's important to our faith. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, there's two things that's always, I guess, uh, perplexes us, and that is the, just the existence of evil. You know, there have been many, many people who have become avowed atheists because they just could not reconcile the fact that God would allow evil to go on in the world. And, you know, some of the... Well, it's because they don't, they don't understand who God is. Right. They place... They, they, it's the same thing that many evangelical so-called Christians do, where they take a list of God's attributes, such as His justice, His holiness, His love, His kindness, His gentleness, and they put them all in a line and then they take love and they put it above them like love rests above and is his true nature god is not a being comprised of parts he is one whole so he is always holy always loving and so people can't wrap their mind around they say well if god is all loving then why is there so much death and sin and evil and it's because god is also just and he will allow unbelievers to commit that evil so that they will be judged and his justice will be satisfied. That's right. And he will be glorified. Right. And, and, and uh, you know, on, and at the same time, he's always standing there uh, ready to accept someone to express their faith in him and, and his yeah. lordship. You know, uh, mm -hmm. there is a lot of people will express the feeling that God has abandoned them, that they don't have, you know, maybe they say, well, Christianity might be real, but uh, it's just not relevant to me anymore. Uh, I don't see God at work. And I put that in the context of watching what's happening in our society with uh, more and more people choosing not to participate in church, where, you know, we hear, uh, we hear surveys saying that, uh, you know, the number of people attending church may be as low as only 20% of the people in the country today. Um, and uh, and it's startling. So you really can't feel a connection to God. <laughs> you really can't have a fellowship with Jesus and God unless you're participating in His church, you know, in some way. I mean, I, I don't see how that happens where somebody, I have people tell me, oh, I can go out here and stand on the rock on the top of the mountain and worship. Well, you can, uh, but when the scripture tells us don't, don't forsake being with other believers, there's some real 
uh, strong and, and, mm-hmm. and tells us, you know, we're three or more gathered. I'm there with you. I mean, all of those reasons, I, what I'm trying to express is there seems to be a breakdown occurring in our society where fellowship of, with God is eroding, and it's reflected by these statistics. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's just it's a matter of letting the world dictate how we do church. We, we want to say that it's all about me and my happiness. So if the church doesn't align with me and my happiness and I'd rather sleep in on Sunday and I'd rather just do my own thing and I can be a lone wolf Christian, then, then so be it. It's about me being happy anyways. That's what Jesus wants, right? That's the message of, of our culture today. But going back to that feeling abandoned, I believe that that comes from a root of are you abandoned by God Or did you abandon God through your lack of faith in the promises of His Word? Because His Word says He will never leave you. That's right. He will never forsake you. He will protect you. He will be with you. He will work everything for your good. He answers your prayers. He gives you rest. He promises to strengthen you. I mean, I've got a list of 10 promises of the 3,000 promises that are found in the Bible. And unless you know your word and you are banking on those promises, then yes, you will feel abandoned by God when you look around and see the evil in the world. And, it's easy and to. And the fact of the matter is, is, is God can't and will not break his promises. And, um, and uh, you know, there's a lot of suffering all around us. And sometimes people refer to it as evil kind of suffering, asking why it happens. You know, there's a psychologist uh, by the name of David Stoop, and uh, he uh, he has asserted that as much as 90% of all of our illnesses are caused by stress. Now, that's a big statement. I've had two back operations. I've had two back operations, uh, and I have lots of friends who've had back operations of various types. Mm-hmm. It's a big procedure in our country. And I remember a neurosurgeon talking to me about that uh, when I was having those procedures. And he even said to me, he said, you know, Dennis, there's a lot of research that shows that this kind of a disease uh, is caused by stress. And that was years ago. It's a lack of joy. Yeah. It's a lack of joy as a yeah. Christian. I mean, you look in First John. John says, I've written these things to you so that our joy may be made full. Jesus says, I've spoken these things to you so that your joy may be made full. Joy is the ultimate destroyer of stress because joy is an unchanging state, not an emotion that is fleeting like happiness or anger or sadness. Yeah. And, you know, the, 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 these psychologists just broadly, pretty much all agree that emotional pain, emotional pain versus physical pain is the worst kind of pain that a human being can experience. Emotional pain not only causes many of our physical ailments, but it's also a form of suffering that's greater than our physical sufferings, no matter how painful it is. And, um, and 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 you know the psychologists tell us that that's really caused by the way we humans process things, the way we think about it. when something bad mm-hmm. happens to us, 
when something bad happens to us, a lot of the emotional suffering that we're going to experience is going to be determined by the way we process what happened to us. That's what you. Yeah, t- I mean, look that's at, what you were talking look about. Look at how Paul. Look at Paul. Paul said, I, "I count that these sufferings are nothing to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us." That what led, like our pastor was talking about last Sunday, a guy like Polycarp to go get burned at the stake and say, "I don't even don't don't worry about binding me. I'll just stand there." Yeah, he just stood there and let them burn him alive because he had joy knowing that he had received salvation and that he had served his Lord. That, that's the difference. And, you know, um, you know, we talked earlier about the role that evil plays in our faith, but, but suffering is also at the very center of Christian faith. And, uh, you know, we look at Jesus and how he was rejected by his family who thought they were you know, in Matthew 3, it tells us they thought he was crazy, that he was mentally mm-hmm. disturbed. And and then we rem- remember in the garden that he prayed his, before his crucifixion, he was praying that his father's will be done and then immediately turned around and, and says, you know, my God, my God, why have you deserted me? You know, so we see mm-hmm. Jesus himself going through this this worldly suffering uh emotional suffering and physical suffering that that humans go through so so suffering is has been at the center of the christian faith and you know it's uh uh i have a friend whose son committed suicide and he went through a period of time where he just hated god why did you why did you let this happen and he told me the story of uh, he began to go into a church who left their doors open. He would go into the into the sanctuary and just rail against God. Who do you think you are? You know, uh, 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 you know, I I can't even. I'm not sure I even believe in you anymore. And he said one day he was at the at the front of the church and he was railing against God. And out of his mouth came these words. He said. God, you don't know what it's like to lose a son. Hmm. And then he realized what he had said. Amen. And it brought him yeah. to his knees and brought him into Absolutely. a renewed relationship with Jesus. Amen. Well, that's my whole that's my whole argument against uh, uh, health and wealth prosperity people is what it says in John sixteen thirty three. Jesus says, "In the world you have tribulation." But take courage, I have overcome the world. Do you believe that we as fallen, sinful, yes, saved by grace humans are going to have a better life on earth than Jesus, than our Savior? He said, I, I, I told you that a slave is not greater than his master. If, I was, if they hated me, they'll hate you. And that, how do you balance the two of those? You have to be prepared to suffer. That's right. it's that's the life that that Christ has said. Take up your cross and follow yeah. me. Well, Justin, this has been delightful discussing this this word evil uh, with you on this podcast, and you really have uh, sort of segued into some things I'd like to say to the listeners as we end this podcast. And that is, uh, the Scripture teaches us, as Justin just said, 
that we should expect to suffer. We've been taught that by our Lord and Savior, to expect to suffer. And number two is, uh, those of us who accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, uh, we should be celebrating the fact that there will come a day when there will be no more suffering, physical uh, or emotional or or any kind of suffering, and there will be no more evil, uh, that we should be celebrating the promises of eternity. And then the last thing I would like to say to listeners who may be in the midst of the pain of suffering is you can reduce your pain of suffering just by embracing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Justin, for being with us today. I look forward to having you back on this podcast, and may God bless all of our listeners. Thank you. Thanks for having me.